Thank you for listening to Recyclables. I really appreciate it. If you want to support the program, the best way to do that is to like, subscribe, and share. Uh, the next best way is to make a donation either through the Acast app or at our Patreon, which is just patreon forward slash recyclables.com. Until next time, thank you. to the news dump. I just wanted oh, to yell. Oh, God. That was scary, and I heard it all in my ear. Oh, oh I forgot about Patrick that. Patrick Thomas Perkins. Rochelle Cotier. <laughs> I, I think I don't even want you to put my middle name into it, because my middle name is just as boring as your middle name. I go by the Patrick Thomas Perkins because there's... You want to be pee-pee. That, but there's also a Patrick Perkins who is like a mathematician at, like... Washington State University, but he's also like a folk guitar singer. Um, and I'm like, I'm never going to top that. I'm just a podcasting comedian person guy. Missing to be Yes. You know. And Thomas Perkins, if I remember right, was like a child rapist. So I was like, oh. you know what? I can't go by that either. I think I'll just fight three names. What a shame. Um, but we are here today to talk about what's going on uh, in Ukraine because... We wanted to feel sad. Well, actually, no, specifically, no, actually. Spe- specifically, the motivation for this was my kid walked up to me and like called me up and wanted to have a conversation, and I was like, "Dude, I am unprepared. I didn't. I have some ideas of shit over there. That, that I'm interested to hear what you would like to say." He did have some. He did have some solid opinions. Like, so he, yeah, what, what did he say? He, I was his, curious. He he, uh, he did not understand why Putin would want to do these things, which is pretty fair. Because I don't think you can understand. I I don't believe my child is of the. It, he's not inherently a person who would just want to conquer a country. So like, it's gonna be like, he's not gonna relate to people who want to conquer other countries. Like he's just like, why would you want to do that? Especially he was pointing out that like the Ukrainians kind of like being Ukraine, and um, a lot of people in Russia are like, why are we? expending troops over this uh and and so it was i was deeply worried he was going to come out with a like we need to come up with a solution for the kurds dad or something like that and like oh my God. um <laughs> and they're not even in that region i don't think if i'm <laughs> yeah no i think the kurds are more in like iraq yeah yeah it's uh but um it it's interesting that we have to have this conversation and like have to have this like i really appreciate that your son's just like i just don't get it it's nice to know that these younger generations just can't even they they don't have the framework for the apologia that was force fed us yeah cuz like i get it because i we we were taught that imperialism is okay if america does it so then you can understand why the bad guy does it and say why it's bad you know it's like have you this this is my kid we're talking about too not everyone is preaching anarchy and oh and yeah the fall, like, yeah so. no no this isn't every child but yeah so i mean the history like the bigger history of this is that ukraine used to be a part of the soviet union and with the fall of the soviet union it became an independent state Yes, 30 years ago in December of 91. So technically, we are older than Ukraine as a independent state. But it's a huge producer of not only, like, manufactured goods, but also food, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and isn't it fuel as well? I think so, yeah. There's there's definitely some fuel resources there. Ukraine produces a lot of stuff, and it's a very big country. Uh, Yeah, it's it's very wealthy in resources. And it didn't, it didn't, from what I was reading up on, it didn't historically always be that way. It was, you mentioned it to me earlier, it was one of the first places that domesticated horses. Yeah. Uh, And that ends up being part of why that area is kind of taken over when Rome takes it over. Uh, Why they recruit a bunch of their cavalry from that region. Because it's all, uh, I'm going to say it wrong again, steps, steps, steeps. Steps. Steps. 
I think it's steps. Yeah, it's all horse. It's all, it's all the place you'd want horse, like you like know, lowland. Like... Uh, but 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 Ukraine has a lot of resources, and they're also strategically positioned right between uh, Russia and most of Europe, which yep. is involved in NATO. In the Black Sea, yeah. Yes, a good amount of the coast of the Black Sea. So they're like they're 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 positioned in a way where when they were in the USSR. It was very beneficial to Russia overall. And this is a position the Ukraine's kind of been in since uh, kingdoms. Like, because once people figured out how fertile it is, it's been fought over or used by one empire or another. And so I think there's always been an interest, obviously, within Putin and other leadership in Russia to regain that territory. And I mean, in 2014... Yeah, 2014 is when shit goes crazy. There are a few things that come up before that. Because in 94, there's a potential NATO partnership. After the USSR fell, uh, there's all these nukes just, just kind of laying around that aren't owned by any governments. Uh, and a number of them went missing. So that's cool. There's just, just, just random missing nukes. But um, a lot of the former Soviet uh, nations either we're asked to give up their nukes. One of the issues Ukraine has this whole time, like... As After the dissolution of the Soviet Union, Ukraine held about one-third of the Soviet nuclear arsenal, the third largest in the world at the time, as well as significant means of design and production. Um... In 1994, Ukraine agreed to destroy the weapons to join the Treaty on the Non-Proliferation of Nuclear Weapons. So, they yeah, yeah. got rid of them in 94, and you're saying that was the one they were trying to petition yeah. to get into NATO and, as well? Yeah, in 94, uh, I'm using the National Geographic timeline, it'll be in the show notes, but in 94 they specifically say, Ukraine joins a collaborative partnership with NATO, it gives up nuclear arsenals in exchange for a signed agreement from Russia, the US, and the UK to protect its sovereignty. So what happens in Ukraine happens in a number of those other countries, like uh all those, like Belarus, Lithuania, all those places, um, their sovereignty, their, their existence, essentially, is threatened by Russia wanting it back. Because when the Soviet Union falls apart, all those countries kind of reemerge, and they're trying to describe their borders. So you have to get the bigger empires, i.e. the UK, the US, and your biggest neighbor, Russia, to agree not to fuck you up yeah <laughs> and in exchange they will fuck up each other if one of them comes after you well and i mean um, i don't know if that's what trump left or not but i know i just know that's what that was why they gave up their nuke so it's kind of like and so they hoped that that would mean that them giving them up would give them a place in nato and also guarantee their sovereignty it's also important to remind people always that uh ukrainians aren't a monolith yeah. Like, like, just like everybody else. Wait, let me check, because I think they said something about, like, the popularity of that. 90% of the electorate expressed their support of Ukraine's Declaration of Independence. So they, they were cool with being an independent state. Yeah, I'm sure, the, I'm sure the average citizen breathed a sigh of relief that there wasn't a fucking bomb in their, their uh, areas. Oh, had Ukraine decided to establish full operational control of the nuclear weapons, it would have had faced sanctions by the West and perhaps even... The withdrawal of diplomatic recognition by the United States and other NATO allies. So it doesn't sound like they were really given a choice. It yeah. was like, hey, get rid of these nukes or we are going to sanction you. And so if you're a person in Ukraine at this time, what you're facing is, all right, we will have our independence recognized, which we all want, but we're going to lose power in a, in a martial way. But in return, you've all agreed not to fuck us up. Yeah. Uh, and then in 2003 and 2004, 2003 in Georgia and 2004 in Ukraine, um, there are disputed elections that set off what's called the Rose Revolution in Georgia and the Orange Revolution in Ukraine. I know in Ukraine's case, uh, the Orange Revolution was because they wore orange vests to signify themselves. It's like the yellow vests in France. Yes, and they were protesting corruption and Russian influence. Because being right next to Russia, you get a lot of offers for Russian money. So in 2008, Ukraine and Georgia tried to get into NATO. Um, later that summer, Russia backs separatists in Abkhazia and South Ostia. Um, and at the same time, uh, so Russia is backing people in basically like... They're doing what America did in Latin America. 
Yeah, and well, then, what the United States of America did in Latin America. And at the same time, uh, the Ukraine is beginning talks to have formal, to basically not not necessarily join the EU, but at least cooperate with the EU. And then that's when 2014 happens and everything goes crazy. Protests uh, lead to um, about 100 protesters get killed uh, because of the government's withdrawal from the talks. Uh, and the Moscow-backed Ukrainian president flees to Russia. Uh, this is National Geographic calling them the Moscow-backed president, so I assume National Geographic feels fairly unbiased, or at least, like... Who knows? Yeah. Um, March of 2014, Russia seizes control of the Crimean Peninsula and annexes the territory. Uh, April of 2014 is when separatists seize control of some other regions. There's a 2015 peace agreement that um, seems to bring some... There's a disputed region and a region where there's still contact, like, in conflict. Um, but the, the ceasefire at least quells, like, the worst of it. But there are still 13,000 casualties. Mm -hmm. I guess in 2019, they passed a constitutional amendment to pursue... Uh, EU and NATO membership. Um, part of their issue is being between NATO and Russia. Russia's appreciated having kind of a buffer if NATO was going to do anything. Another thing to note, U Ukrainian and Russian are very similar languages. Like they, they overlap a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can't remember which one is which, but if you can speak one, you can speak the other pretty fluently. And so there have always been Ukrainians who have identified as Russians, and there have also been people in what is now Russia who have always kind of identified as Ukrainian culturally uh, or, or, or that's ethnically. That's the word I was looking for. I don't understand what the ethnic distinctions are. Like if... Yeah, I mean, it's just there's going to be some cultural differences because, like, as nation states are built, your, your mythos and story develops yeah. as well. But it seems like on the ground, a lot of people view them kind of, um, I, I guess it's like Portland and Vancouver in a weird way. Yeah. Like there's a lot of people who live up in Vancouver who will tell people they live in Portland because it's easier. Yeah. But also they think of themselves as living in Portland. Mm -hmm. And then there's plenty of people who, who I'd, I've met people who live in Portland. And they're like, no, I'm from Vancouver. Like they, they don't, yeah. don't want to be from Portland. So it, it, it's a different version of that same yeah. convention. There's actually a lot of Ukrainian people in Portland. Actually, a lot of Russian people. There's a lot of... Uh, Religious asylum and mm -hmm. political asylum people out here. Actually, mm -hmm. um, somewhere farther southeast, uh, there is a Russian immersion uh, elementary school. But I, that is correct. They've always been around in Portland. And like I remember my first job was working at an old folks home. And there were um, there was like four Ukrainian, three or four Ukrainian waitresses. And one of them was Russian. And like I didn't understand why they would have tension because I'm like 17 or 18. And I'm like... You guys speak the same language, and we all, we're all... We, in America, speak all the same language. We're always mad at each other. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, <laughs> that's never made sense to me either. What's interesting about what's happening right now and, and that is, Putin's stated motives and what his actual motives are is that he's saying he's stopping Nazism because he's saying he's trying to address these, like, Nazi uh, militist, militant groups that are kind of compensating for the fact that Ukraine doesn't have a very large army. He's also doing this in the spirit of fucking Lebensraum. Like, he's straight up trying to make more room for his Russian empire. The, the, that touches on the, the army military of Ukraine is pretty limited. So there's a lot of militia groups that they will back and fund. And some of these groups have tried to take over the government. So they've had, uh, but they still fund these people because it's like, you'd rather have, would you rather have your annoying kid, brother, who is into weird Nazi shit uh, by your side, or would you rather have somebody from another country uh, ruling you? Like, yeah. It's like, well, at least I can smack my own brother around. Well, know? and it's like anything to help continue to destabilize Ukraine. Like when you were talking earlier about how that's what Russia and Putin has done, is that they prop up like militant, uh, agitating groups. We were doing that in Latin America. Uh, the United States was doing that in Latin America. Yeah. It's interesting to see that that played out. Russia had its playground and we had our playground. Uh, to touch on another thing that you mentioned, there's also a significant um, religious element to it because a lot of the Orthodox religion is in Russia. 
and a lot of Ukrainian, I, I may be reading too much into this, but reading between the lines, you, Ukraine is a little more progressive yeah. than Russia in a lot of ways. Like their, their, their masculinity is a different kind of toxic and it's a little, <laughs> it's a little, uh, their patriarchy is a little different and shit. And so there's a certain amount of, of taking things back to the old Russian way of doing things that is also influencing what uh, both Putin wants and these separatist groups because yeah. they're, they're, they're trying to seek this like mythical past that doesn't – that even like the USSR was a pretty cool idea until, you know, authoritarian dictator Stalin and then – Everyone sent him. I mean, I mean, it was already on its way there, thanks yeah. to Lenin. But, but my point is, it's the pigs are walking on two legs. Yeah, and it's that that past that they're trying to idolize didn't exist, and it's it's yeah. it's much well, like yeah, it's it's uh, this is what I was saying earlier is it's make America great again and Lieben's round at the same time. And he, but he has a very he has kind of their conservative Christian saying that word wrong. Whatever. But it's basically, it, it was Germany's version of Manifest Destiny. Yeah. The amount that Hitler learned from watching American imperialism. Oh, for sure. Oh, that is a big part of the reason that uh, Putin has decided to um, invade and attack Ukraine. Also, what one more something. It looks like Chernobyl is in the contested yeah, areas. So, um, do you think there? Do you think there's magical alien stuff going on there? And he's like, I want, I want the Spear of Destiny. Yeah, right. One important thing to note too is that this has happened a lot of times where Russia has done like training exercises by borders, and America has done this too, where we try to flex by doing this like passive aggressive bullshit. And so a lot of people for the last few weeks kept on saying, oh, well, this isn't going to happen. This is going to happen. And I, I believe them, or at least I wanted to believe them because I'm really liking the idea of not having more wars. Unfortunately, what was it, Friday? Yeah. Or Thursday? No, it was Thursday. Thursday morning was when explosions started happening, where troops started moving. The goal is to take over the capital. I hear it pronounced Kiev. But I've also heard Kiev. Kev. Yeah, I've heard I've, both. I've heard a, a, a multiple different pronunciations. I'll say it one like, way, you say it the other. Which one do you want? I, I want Kiev. Oh, um, man. I have uh, Kev? Kev? Uh, it's like milk. Um, <laughs> it was a bit of a surprise that it actually started happening. Um, one thing that uh, the U.S. has claimed that they're going to do in response of this is sanctions. And a lot of other countries are also saying sanctions, meaning not giving them money, freezing any assets of theirs that they have, da 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 It sounds like people in Ukraine, like, who are ad saying what we really need to do is it sounds like the SWIFT banking system is a part of this. Did you see any of this? In yeah, yeah. That yeah. was that was a little bit smarter than me. I was hoping you would get it. Okay. But... So I know a little bit of that because I used to work at a bank. Okay. Um, when you wire money, especially internationally, which wiring is is like the old version of an ACH transfer, Oh my god, sorry. We don't have to get too far into this. But it's like, instead of like using your debit card to send money, you're using your account and routing number. So the information that's on a check. So the bigger version of the more, like, I think the older version of this is uh, the SWIFT banking system, because that could be used internationally. Maybe it's newer, who knows. But either way, it's the way that, like, I could send money to someone in Ukraine. So what they want to have happen is that not only Putin and all of his, like, all the political elites and oligarchy, yeah. his mistresses, his children, all these other people in his life, they want all of that to be frozen. So it removes any sort of liquidity of his assets and access to things. So that is what they're saying needs to be done because like just these base sanctions not only aren't really going to stop anything, if anything, they're just going to hurt the people. Yeah. And to address the, the, the nuclear elephant in the room that's part of why at least in theory why other why nato and why america or the uk isn't just gonna send troops there no to, one wants to engage in something that could potentially end up being a world war or a nuclear war yeah well yeah. because yeah. world war becomes nuclear war at least that is the world that we have grown up in but so Swift is the system that does I, this. Yeah, so Swift is so that's one of the things is that they want um they want to be freezing him and his allies and all of his family and anyone connected. We want to limit their movements and really kind of stick them where it hurts. Um, there has been some sort of some viral stories like uh, Pornhub shut up access to uh, Russia. Oh, that's you didn't funny. know about that? I didn't. I didn't. Pat Pat's 
the sluttiest person in the room, yet I'm the one who knows about the Pornhub goss. I've been stuck not being a slut lately. It's been sad, but I, I, I did, I did listen to Joe Biden's speech about this. Yeah, fill me in. I um, didn't listen. His response was, you know, basically that we're gonna sanction, we're gonna hit him where it hurts. But it felt like very, very neoliberal response to so me. So what? So yeah, what about it felt in that? In that, like the response was just to money. Oh, financial. Okay. Yeah, and it wasn't like there was like. Three things I would do that would help out the Ukrainian people that have nothing to do with the army. Send more medical supplies and medical experts. Granted, we're in the middle of a pandemic. It's a Actually, little... there is, I just saw something about um, ads for travel nurses going to Ukraine, basically advertising army medic, oh, like good. mercenary medic. But I mean, that's a thing the U.S. could help fund. So maybe maybe yeah. that's well, part of it. Well, this is more private, yeah, but you know. Yeah, we could help with refugees in the area. How dare you suggest that America open its door to huddled masses? That is not what we fucking do, Pat. Uh, and again, I know there's the complication of it being a pandemic, and it's not necessarily smart to bring. In that case, why not Whatever, again they probably send the, the resources to have seriously. refugees yeah. in their own fucking plate? Well, like, and so here's something. Poland has opened their borders, is willing to yeah. accept as many people as possible. Um, I was listening to a podcast today where they said that um, men from a certain age are required to stay and fight. Like, that's what the, the government has decreed. Yeah. Men, women and children are allowed to evacuate, and Poland's been taking a lot of them. And when I was on the phone with my parents today, they made the point that what we need to do is make sure that there's plenty of food, water, blankets, um, resources for these folks, because they're going to probably, they're going to be in fucking camps. Like, it's just going to happen. Like, that's what happens in refugee crisis, yeah. because our governments refuse to adequately respond to things even in the countries where it seems like they're trying to give a shit and but all that's just to say again these are things that we could do that aren't just fuck with the money or blow people up and like his his attitude at least at least the impression i got of biden's attitude watching the speech was like we're just gonna take some time and see how long it takes for these sanctions to work we'll give it two or three weeks my issue with that is like well people are gonna die, in those people are gonna die. and then also that's not a solution because Putin is one of the wealthiest people in the world. So if you put his money on hold, you're just putting some of his money on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like especially if you're that high up, how much shadow accounts and crazy right. shit like that are you going to have? So Biden's stance is very much that sanctions are going to do the work and we will send some amount of aid, be it weapons, probably not necessarily It troops. sounds like we're bolstering NATO allies. Yeah. We're not directly giving to I, Ukraine, I think, but yeah. we are bolstering allies surrounding Ukraine and showing our backup support that yeah. Ukraine shouldn't this shouldn't be happening to you. The response was very much like we're going to we're going to see if them not having as much as all of the money is going to hurt their feelings enough to make them stop. Mm -hmm. And I'm like that doesn't seem like a thing that's going to be useful, but it also like I, I don't know if this is the section for it, but it also reminds me of like Rome uh, when Persia and Carthage and all those, anytime they want to really go to war to someplace else, they've got to come up with a good excuse. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Just a, yeah. It's two empires dick-waving again. No, obviously. And it's it, all gross. One thing that is interesting to talk about, though, is what the Ukrainian government is doing and what the Ukrainian people are doing. And what they would want. One thing that's really interesting, the president of um, Ukraine is a former comedian. Yeah, kind of a, a John Oliver... Uh, or like a John Stewarty kind yeah. of person. He is the president. Um, Russia, or like people were saying Be that he had fled, him and his like most top senior advisor had fled Kiev, but then they like posted a video, I think on Friday, being like, look, and like showing visibly that they're still in the capital. And what they have done is they are giving out weaponry, not only obviously to their military, but to citizens. This morning, it sounded like they'd run out. I don't know. I can't confirm that entirely. But so they are administering weapons to people, most of like, especially in Kiev, all the subways are also double as bomb shelters. So people are spending yeah. a lot of time in these bomb shelters, but they don't have adequate sanitation. There's not really good access to food. So you're like pissing and shitting in buckets. And, and if you have like food with you, that's what you have. And again, yeah, it's a bomb shelter. It's, it's a not... bomb shelter. It's not a great vibe. Um, If you're on TikTok, uh, I, I know like on Friday when I was scrolling through TikTok, almost every other live video that I was seeing was someone in one of those bomb shelters. And like just made me cry a lot. 
One thing they've also done is TV, radio, everywhere is broadcasting how to create Molotov cocktails, like home recipes. Um, they're also, I imagine they're also probably talking about other like health and safety things and like protective things. They're encouraging women and children to leave, but yeah, of course, encouraging men to stay to fight. Corey was saying that he saw uh, photos of, and like examples of people getting shotgun married and then changing into military gear to get ready to yeah. fight. They're one of their beauty queens who won like Miss Universe or at least like Miss something or other. You, I saw her in like military gear with her gun ready to fight. These people are fucking ready to fight. And I am glad that it like, they are so strong, but I'm so mad that this yeah. still has to and happen it, anyone. It's, it's frustrating too because like, to like even before ninety one, right when when the USSR is forming, Ukraine gets fucked with back then too. They actually had anarchy, like they had like like literal like oh, yeah. There's this dude, Mc, Mc, oh I can't remember his goddamn name. He is hella dope. Well, you look for that on my TikTok. I end up following other artists, and I end up following an artist, and I talk with a gal who lives in Romania, and so. I just check in with her every day to see how things are going. And she says, everyone's just really scared, um, you know, and not really knowing if and when they need to be worried. Because, I mean, Romania is right next door. I, I, I try to be very mindful of the jokes I make about this because it's not funny. <laughs> like, there's yeah. nothing funny about this. To, to back off the funny, th or, or to, to piggyback off the funny thing, um, you, you mentioned the president was a talk show host. Part of the reason he gets elected, from what I understand, is because the corruption was really bad, and he would do like John Stewart style takedowns on it, and people were like, "I trust Maybe this guy." He should be president. Yeah, yeah. We saw the take earlier that's like we had a reality TV show host as a president, and now they have a comedian. I guess that's better. But like, I'm really concerned that this is gonna it's gonna deify this guy, kind of like what happened to Giuliani post 9/11. Yeah, where people are gonna think he did this amazing job. And I mean, I'm not questioning any of that now, but I hope that we remember these are all politicians and yeah. people with a lot of power and authority and celebrities. Make sure to be critical and to hold them accountable. I've I've thought about this long and hard because I almost feel like Stephen Colbert is gonna try to make a run for president. No, that's Chris Pratt's job. Maybe. And we stand, Chris Pratt. We, the, on this podcast. Half we of are us. huge. Nope. Pat is the hugest. He's going to name change his name to Pratrick. Okay, well. Uh, that into Chris Pratt. <laughs> Pratrick Thomas Perkins. Yes, cop-loving weirdo who flashes women Chris Pratt. Um, so, I was saying earlier... <laughs> I was saying earlier that like this has been going on forever. Nestor Macano, uh, M A K. H-N-O is this famous anarchist in Ukraine post-Tsarist Revolution and World War One. Ukraine is in shambles because they've declared independence from the Tsarist uh, Russia, but they've also, they're also one of the places that, that is being fought over because, again, they have all the food and shit. And this guy, Nestor uh, Makhino, is this anarchist who helps set up little communes and shits and sets up... Uh, uh, Ukraine to kind of... I can't remember how he ends up dying. There's a great episode, uh, a Christmas episode of Behind the Bastards. It's about ah, him. Okay. Like, he's, he's... He's he's one of the good guys. Yeah, he's... Yeah, that you can tell because it's a Christmas episode. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but he uh, establishes, like, libraries and all kinds of crazy stuff. But this kind of conflict dates back to forever ago and also recently and forever ago so there's been a lot of instability in the area in general and a lot of conflict dating back to post-world one world war two it was one of the areas hitler rushed like it was that area that hitler ran through that doomed him uh, uh that doomed the nazis when they were like let's attack russia in the winter russia in the winter yeah um how do you miss that like right oh my god it's november already like all right I was thinking about this earlier. We we all have the lug some of some people have a lot more luxury to make more mistakes. There were probably plenty of mistakes that were happening in the Third Reich and in Nazi Germany. <laughs> this was just like, oh, we're not gonna rebound from this. It's like it's kinda like in D D, you're always rolling dice. Yeah. And like you you sometimes have like items and shit to back up if your rolls suck. Yeah. But after a while, like that stuff's gonna run out, and especially if you're not a smart enough player or like doing the right things. Yeah, if you're if you're half high on meth and into weird like yeah, esoteric cult shit. Yeah, you're not gonna see the writing on the wall. Exactly. So the the writing on the wall to not invade Russia in the winter shouldn't like 
that, that's not a wall. That's an entire town. That's a writing across the city. That's, I don't... <laughs> to touch on, though, when we were talking about Putin's reason being that he wanted to qua- squash Nazi activity in Ukraine, yeah. Nazi separate, uh, nationalists or whatever, there was a show, I want to say it was like on HBO or something, it was called Hate Thy Neighbor. It's a Jamaican, I think he's Jamaican and English, and he's a comedian, and he, what he did is he went to specific hate groups and hung out with them and got to know them. So, like, the KKK, yeah. uh, black Jewish separatists, stuff like that. Well, he went to Ukraine. I want to say he went to Ukraine, actually. And he did actually interact with some of these Nazi dudes in these militant groups. I think that's one of the things also to be very notable about is that there is patriotism, which is still kind of iffy, but then there is nationalism. And unfortunately, when your national identity is constantly challenged by Russia and also what you consider as like refugees outside of stuff like that, that can foment this kind of stuff. So that's why I mentioned that thing before about people feeling identifying as Russian or Ukrainian, yeah. no matter where they are. And it's like it's interesting to me because like I I think the re- part of the reason borders are so dumb to me is that cultural identities cross them. And creating a border between these identities doesn't do anything but kind of make them, like, fester into something. something. Borders imbue a power, like, an, an, an oppressive power on culture. Yeah, and it if also... If that makes sense. It's like, it's like a gross ley line. Yeah, and it's also this thing we talk about in all the shows where it's like, if the system you're surrounded by is kind of corrupt and messed up, then it's gonna, even if you're a good guy in that system, you're gonna do some messed up things. Yeah. Like, by by default. If you're so pro-Russian that you're willing to join, like, a, a nationalist group, you're never gonna be anything but kind of that kind of hurrah. Or if you're that pro-Ukrainian. Like yeah. That, I think that's more of what I was trying to oh, address. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Is that there are Ukrainian nationalists who have Nazi ideology. Yes. Any white country with, like, Enough private white. militias... Eventually you get some Nazis. There's going to be Nazis in there. There's going to be racists. Like, and it's worth noting um, the distinction between a militia and an army is a militia is people agreeing to sign email chains and, like, show... At least in America, it's hang out once... Yeah, I, a, think they, I think the rubbers hit the road a little bit more often in Ukraine, so... But, yeah. But the reason I was mentioning that, that Russian identity thing, though, is that that's what's compelling these separatist groups, is that national Russian nationalism, that we're, we're Russian and we don't want to be a part of Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah, there's definitely something... Go- like, there's definitely that going on both sides. Russia has a better ability to yeah. squash that and it's, in their... In their and it, and it sucks because it's like Ukraine wouldn't use the Nazis if they weren't constantly being threatened by Russia. Exactly. So it's like it's it's like it's like it's like doing meth to stay awake because somebody's trying to kill you. It's like you're still doing meth. That's right. still not a great thing. But you've yeah. got to deal with the fact that somebody is trying to kill you. <laughs> oh yeah, I think the fallout and the consequences at this point, though, are going to be that we're going to see increases in prices because of. Or, like, we're going to see stock exchange fluctuation because there's going to be some uncertainty. In <laughs> that the was, sorry, that was, one of, that was one of Biden's remarks. He's like, there's a war. Go- there, there's, I can't do a good Biden, but he's like, somebody asked him in, in, from the press, who is this war good for, essentially? Because they're like, people in Wall Street are suffering. And you're always saying Wall Street is in America, Main Street is. But people in Main Street are going to have their prices hiked up. So, like, what are you going to do? And he's like, there's a war going on in a different country i can only do yeah there's only so much he can do but <laughs> i think what i the reason i bring it up though is that sorry just you reminded yeah, me of yeah, that. Yeah, it was no. just very funny just to see him be one of the mo- one of the only modes i like in joe biden is when he's exasperated at people for like really obvious shit when he's like yeah. it's a war between ukraine and russia what do you want me to do right. like anytime there's any sort of unrest like this any all the grifters are going to come out to try and take advantage mm-hmm. of it and I mean, we need to really pay attention because not only, like, while this is going on, we are bombing Somalia, uh, Saudi Arabia is bombing Yemen, and Israel, I think, is bombing Palestine. So it's important to remember, we seem to only be interested, or at least worldwide media seems to really only be interested when the victims are of a certain skin tone and in a certain continent or two. That is correct. 
And so, and that's not to diminish how fucked up and scary this is. I can understand the arguments for escalation in that, you know, Russia has nukes. They're willing to respond to whatever they think we did, whether we do something or not. You know what I mean? Also, it's Putin who is like, you know, kind of one of the the biggest bad guys in the world. Like, yeah. like, like I kind of think anybody who's in charge of a nation at this point is going to be a bad guy. Yeah. But I think Putin definitely stands out as... Putin gives off very solid villain vibes. Yeah. You know? Um, and they've been uninterrupted for fucking decades. He has the smile of a man who knows just how much he can get away with, and that makes me very uncomfortable. So, um... When I was in high school and I was doing speech and debate, but I didn't, I, I used to do the speech that was like an infomercial about how to maintain a dictatorship. And it was to describe the things that Putin does specifically yeah. to maintain his power and his stronghold, regardless of if he's physically in office or not. Because, I mean, he's gone in and out of office yeah. a couple of times now. That was 18 years ago. I, I would. And that's, he'd already been in uh, in the game for like a decade or two. I loved the the one of the brother Green had like a video explaining Ukraine pretty succinctly, like from 2014, I think. And but one of the things I thought was funny was he was like, "It's it's interesting the number of poisonings that have gone up since Putin came into power." Yeah, no, uh, he's he's a he's a big fan of poisoning. The the second thing that I wanted to mention too before I forgot was that like we're not really run off of that different a system. Joe Biden has been involved in the powers of politics for decades now yeah he, he hasn't just, had nearly as much power yeah though. yeah he's just now getting a scent on the emperor's throne but he's definitely had a lot of he was vice emperor for a while you yeah, know what no, I, mean? Like, I mean he's done some pretty shitty stuff i don't know if he's necessarily murdered as many people probably not with yeah. his like not his, like bare hands but with his direct specific uh, order <laughs> yeah 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 and that that was gonna be my like like even though things are very similar, I do think there's a distinction and that I think like my problem with Joe Biden is that he's a liberal. He's going to focus on cost until eventually you beat him over the head with empathy. Because I think the, the real thing where people are like leftists hate liberals more than conservatives, it's like, no, we're more disappointed in liberals more than anything else. Because you say all the right things and then you're like, ah, but I'd like 20 bucks really bad, right? Putin is what I would describe pretty close to a fascist. Like, he wants to take his nation back to a mythical time. He oh, believes mean, in a, like... He's been an authoritarian yeah. the entire time. And I mean authoritarianism and fascism. Yeah. Basically the same thing. So, so... One is just about complete control and one is through, like, uh, ethnic genocide as well. Right? Yeah. I think that's why it's so, so romanticized or, or why it's such a big deal is the combination of nukes. They are so similar to us in the fact that it's a bunch of rich people who rotate power between. I mean, Putin's real, real kind of parallel now that I think about it in America is one of the Koch brothers, honestly, for the amount of power and influence and wealth he can wield. Putin has just been willing to be like, oh, no, I want to control the ship for a while. I want to be captain. Yeah. The the guy they had played the Putin character in uh, House of Cards. That guy was so scary. And, like, obviously it's very... That's that's the distinction. Put, if, if you left me alone in a room with Joe Biden, I would be annoyed, but I'm sure I would leave alive. If you left me alone in a room with Putin... I don't think I would just die. I think some other weird shit would happen, and that scares yeah. me more. Because that's that's sorry, a little side Putin rant thing is that he's like so obsessed with his image, and there's so much uh, there's so much just stuff where I'm like, that's an unstable and evil person, like a person who I I don't know just no I don't I don't know if unstable is the right way to put it. Yeah, just un, unscrupulous. It, un yeah, unscrupulous because like unstable would indicate that he slips. I'm trying to think of a point in time when Putin has really slipped. Yeah, he reminds me of Lex Luthor. Like, yeah, no, he's he's very smart. He's very calculated. Um, I mean, there's probably things he's fucked up, but there's a lot going yeah, on yeah, with that. Yeah, but we safe to say all world leaders are villains in some way, shape, or form, and that I would say even America has, if it's not full blown authoritarianism, we are like. We we have what I we have much more of a puppet government than we want to admit. I will what what I will pitch here is that I think we have a voluntary authoritarianism, where we say, "Hey, if you don't do this, we're going to be authoritarian. Do you want to do this?" Do you? Thank you for volunteering. 
you won't watch a lot of Doctor Who, right? Oh, I watch Doctor Who, yeah, yeah. Remember the whale? I do not. So it's like this last group of humans, and they're on this spaceship, and they're just about to, like, they can either keep themselves alive or they can keep moving. Well, then they run in this space whale. And so, like, the space whale, like, basically carries them so that they can still sustain themselves and have, like, this big city. I think at first no one knows the whale. Like, no one is talking about the whale, and, like, it's just a spaceship. Well, Rose goes in and, like, watches this informational video that explains to her what's happening. And at the end, it's like, we shock this whale's brain so that it'll go the way we want to navigate it. We know it hurts the whale, but... We need it to survive. And so it's like, you decide to remember that or forget it. If you remember it, like, throws you down a chute and, like, you're stuck there. If you forget it, you just get to go back to the normal. Yeah, that's America. Well, yeah, exactly. Because then the doctor, he finds out and he gets so mad at Rose for choosing to forget. It's not just that we choose to forget. It's that you literally cannot hold the idea in your head while all of this discussion of freedom and choice is being rammed down your yeah. fucking throat. I haven't read 1984, but it's very much new speech. And, and our, our version is that we've tricked ourselves into calling it democracy and freedom when it's like not. It's it's just no. two, two sideways for a minute. Um, one of the things I've always found useful in therapy is we explore the language we want to use. So if I'm talking about something that I think is... Um, like, like if I want to describe the enjoyment of alcohol, I call it a petty enjoyment because it's not a big enjoyment, right? And it's important to – the reason I say that is it's important to understand that language isn't always directly how it's handed to us. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, it's so important, I think, to have conversations and knowledges of other places and what's going on and also to question – like you said, why the fuck do we give a shit about this? A lot of that is white supremacy. Russia is way more into white supremacy than we are, but they call it something else. You know what I mean? Like they just call it like patriotism or whatever. Right. It's honestly hard to know how long this is going to go on, if it's going to spread, if it's going to meet, pull other people into conflict. My hope is that Putin just wants to flex his muscles cause some violence and then retreat and just be like, whatever, I guess I didn't want it anyways. You know, like when a cat, you Mm. like embarrass a cat and they start to lick themselves instead. My fear is that Corona is going just as horribly for Russia as it is for America. And you want to do something to distract all the people in your country from that. And a great way to do that is is, war. Yep. Yeah. I mean, like after we supposedly ended the war in Afghanistan, then you hear rumblings from Biden about other conflicts and things we might need to get involved in. So it's it's really frustrating that like. And knowing everything is like funded by arms manufacturers and shit. You're just like, I know dad is just looking for more work and I don't like dad's job. (laughs) It's just so baffling because it's like how much fucking money do you need? It's mental illness. Uh, One of the, one of the other consequences is we are going to see, I think my, my presumption is that we are going to see people in our country ramp up their own, let's say plans. Oh, one thing that's important to note is you're going to see a lot of Republicans right now talking about how awesome Putin is and how he takes care of his people and how he's a great guy, there is a lot of sympathizing coming from the far right with Putin. Because Trump's on Putin's side at this point, too. So it's really interesting to see these people who are so pro-America being really okay with uh, with Putin invading another country. Sorry, I've been thinking, I was thinking about that last night. I couldn't sleep. Anyway, we're, consequences, we're going to see our Republicans go further right. I also think we are going to see in response, we need to do an episode on this at some point too, the Canada thing, um, is we're going to see a similar escalation from our own right wing, especially because like my understanding is the the kind of the typical response that a liberal person in office will have, i.e. that they will uh, expect the police to handle it, uh, that they would assume it's a problem that they can solve with money, and that they will expect norms to be in place, and they're not. Mm-hmm. And so... If your leaders aren't prepared for that, look to your community and prepare each other for whatever you can. Shell, I'm running to your place when shit goes bad. Just say so no. That's so <laughs> fun. This is, a, this is a perfect haven for you. 
We will have to make mini trips to get my magic cards and bring them here. Yeah, consequences as well is that there are probably going to be some weird shortages like we're already experiencing because our supply chain was already fucked up and then COVID's made it worse. So just expect some of that. Um, expect, 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 expect like fucking weird ass hawk. Like it's weird that they're not being a like it's it's war hawk, but like. What's the word I'm looking for? Vicarious warhawks. That's what yeah. that's what the Republican Party is doing. Is they're getting their rocks off for war by being into what Putin's doing well, and knowing we, that we don't want to get involved. My personal theory on this is it's because we lost ours and Putin is white, like 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 we've kind of made clear, and he's doing it right. And Russia's not the enemy anymore because they they they're oligarchs. They're they're in a very I think they're pretty open about it too. Is the the more uncomfortable part to me is that they they've oh they they are very blatant about their corruption. It's it's not very under the surface. So at all, and another thing we're gonna see. You mentioned grifters, but I think uh, be careful if you're gonna donate. If you're somebody yes. who can donate, because there are definitely gonna be people who will take advantage of this. Um, and on top of that, big organizations look at where their money's going. Yeah. Because I don't want to be a dick, but there's organizations like the Red Cross. How much of that is actually going to people? We'll have to research. We'll do some research ourselves. Yeah, I was gonna say we'll have to make an episode about that. I think about how to do that. I think that'll because that's been one of the that is hopefully one of the goals with recyclables is to do more how to episodes. Also, yeah, nonprofits are really tricky because yes, the goal is to help people, but. Should your nonprofit like what do you do if you don't need to do the nonprofit what the nonprofit was made to do anymore? So that'll sometimes yeah. incentivize them not only to like address symptoms instead of like try to fix fix things. It's kind of like how the ACLU may sometimes like want a case to fail because then that'll make people mad enough that something yeah. else will happen. So they might not give necessarily the best defense to the person that they're supporting. Politics is one of the weirder human inventions. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, things that you can do. First off, stay away from doom scrolling. Like, a lot of people in our age bracket do not know a world without a 24-hour news cycle. And I think a big part of the problem is that when you constantly feel like you need to be updated, you're just going to keep on getting, like, you're just going to keep on looking, 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 and the things I know that will catch your attention are the negative, scary things. There, There is a difference between staying up to date and... Self-flagellation. Like, yeah. It straight up feels like that after a while. It's like, it's like you can't do anything about it, so at least I'll be as engaged with the information as humanly possible and and sometimes the algorithm doesn't help with that because like i wanted to re we were talking about this earlier i wanted to research the actual history of ukraine because i couldn't remember where it fit into rome and all that and like how it went from part of part of rome's deal or part of russia's deal in the czarist era was that they were like a continuation of rome that they they it goes the ancient roman empire around italy in that area breaks off into two the western empire falls the eastern empire the byzantine empire which is in roughly like um, croatia and a few other places um rises and as that falls a third empire rises czar is a bastardization of caesar like it, 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 there, mm-hmm. there's there's correlations in there and so czarist russia part of their their reason they were an autocrat into the 1900s was because they considered themselves a continuation of this great legacy was oh but but researching all that to double check what i wanted to find out that oh yeah this place has been contested since like before the middle ages i typed in history of ukraine and it only gave me to 2014 so like i understand my whole point was say i understand the impact the algorithm has first off don't doom scroll second of all take care of yourselves um, and help other people out because this is this is a really stressful time for a lot of people. Thirdly, if you do have the ability to give funds, um, do some research, look at some um, direct aid that you can provide. And the call to action that I heard from the Ukrainian journalist, I think it was on the, I listened to a podcast The Economist put out on Friday about this. She said specifically, Petition your politicians to let them know that we need to be holding Russia as accountable as possible because the sanctions as they are now are not going to do much. Lastly, the thing throughout all of these kinds of especially international conflict stories, 
there's not going to be a lot of clear good guys the higher up you go in the turtles. The higher up the person is, the more complex their motivations are going to be, and the more it's going to be tied up not only to um, financial obligations, but other political obligations as well. So be a critical thinker. Anytime there's violence like this, there's a lot of bad actors. And like, don't think that the NATO is good guys for helping and that they're doing this out of the kindness of their heart. It's yeah. because they don't want fucking nuclear war. And they want the resources Ukraine has. Exactly. Just I just the... really want to make sure that we don't canonize leaders before we really know how good of a guy they are. Because I haven't really paid attention a lot to the president of Ukraine, so I don't yeah. know how great of a guy he actually is. Yeah, and that was one of the things, like, the, the, the note we both wrote was focus on what we think will help citizenry because that's really who this is about my yeah. i i am of the opinion that we are all citizens of the world i know that may come as a shock to people uh but also, like, don't just be moved by the fact that there's a cat cafe open in kiev and send them thousands of dollars yes those cats need help but the people of ukraine also need help yeah Sorry, no, I the, I understand wanting to donate to animals because animals are nicer than people, but people are people. Yeah, the the, the animals are gonna die without the people. So exactly. It's a kind of fault there, but I don't know. Oh, um, but uh, thanks for listening. I hope this wasn't too all over the place or too depressing, but hopefully we're worrying about nothing but based on recent events it's hard to believe that we are worried ba- based about on it. our track record of episodes it's 50 50 like yeah. chris christoph not not gonna be yeah, not no, gonna be anymore. gigs not gonna work here anymore yeah <laughs> well, I, I was an office space reference oh, okay oh yeah i wonder i do kind of wonder what he's gonna do next that's that's its own okay yeah, but yeah. thanks guys have a good rest of your day yeah. do something nice for yourself yeah. Bye. The New Stump was produced by Rochelle Cody and Patrick Thomas Perkins. It was edited by Patrick Thomas Perkins. Music clips can be found in full on Aesop Rock's The Blob, available at Rhymesayers Entertainment. For free. Like, like he says to do stuff like this. That's why I did it. To watch porn, that, that like, is and true. that's the easiest way to be slutty, right? Sure. Right? I don't know. I don't know how these things work. Thank you for picking up recyclables today. Donations to the ACAST streaming service are, of course, always welcomed, but the best way to support the show is by going to patreon.com forward slash recyclables and becoming a patron today. If you can't do that, another great way is by liking, subscribing, sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast on whatever podcast listening service you use. All right, thanks.